What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Beers and. Today, we're going to be talking about Beers and Strictly 80s Billy Joel. Joel. Oh, I, I threw, in, threw in a Billy. I didn't throw in the Billy. I feel like we had to, you know, call him by his first name. Sans Billy. Just Joel. Just Joel. <laughs> Billy J. Billy J. Joel B. I'm, we're going to not call him Beach. We can't be. <laughs> no. <laughs> Nope, that's where we've drawn the line. Nope, that's where we've drawn the line. Welcome in, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. Nick and Alex here, as always. We are uh, very excited to do some Strictly 80s Billy Joel today. Strictly 80s Strictly. Billy Joel. Pin a rose on your nose if you know that reference. I, I like how I suggested it and didn't know where it was from. Well, you're going to learn. You're going to learn today. And you can learn with us. Yes, please do. Come watch us on YouTube at Beers and Podcast or follow us over at the old Instagram at the same. And you can come find us on Twitter at Beers and One. And um, really, just send everything that you're concerned about or anything you want to beersandpodcast at gmail.com. Wonderfully done. Yes. Wonderfully done. So we talked about it off air. It's, this is not even uh, remotely on topic, but today's the NFL draft. Today is the NFL draft. Very excited. Had to throw that in there, just in case anyone cares. I knew who the commissioner was. Very good, Nick. Very good. Thank you. Sports things. Thank you, sports things. We are drinking a source beer today. Ooh. It is a nitro milk stout. Ooh, I'm, I'm liking it. Maple cinnamon roll nitro milk stout from Source. Ooh. Yeah, sounds like a good one. I'm, a, I'm excited just because I'm looking at the back or the side of the can, and I just see something that's referred to as the smash pour. The smash pour? Oh, okay. So that's a, a specific way to pour a nitro stout. Oh, okay. They're different than uh, other beers. So since it's not, you're not familiar with nitro stouts. Not I don't. I feel like we've probably had some, or I've at least had some, but I don't think that I'm terribly familiar overall, especially okay. in the context of the smash pour. So it's less bubbly oh. as a normal beer. Okay. The nitro, it's it's more like a smooth pour, a smooth drink. So less carbonation. Um, much. And usually it's a stout. Stouts are typically nitro poured. Okay. I'm I'm picturing it like a uh, like a nitro cold brew how it's got a little it's a little thick but it's very smooth kind of, and again kind of you know, without the uh combination so this one is a stout milk stout conditioned on saigon cinnamon maple syrup cream cheese icing oh milk sugar and vanilla oh this is the perfect uh you know i'm gonna reveal that it is it is just after 10 o'clock in the morning on a Thursday. So this sounds like the perfect... It's, it's a cinnamon bun. This is a breakfast beer. This is a breakfast beer. We've had a few of those. I mean, and realistically, any beer is a breakfast beer if you... If, if you, you have it if at breakfast. If you have it at breakfast. I totally... We should... I advocate more breakfast beer. I do too. I advocate... We should pick... We, you know, we got to get a good breakfast beer. Because nobody wants Bud Light. Nobody wants or Bud Light. Any of that <sighs> crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We love that. God, no. I'll pass. Hard pass on that. Hard, hard pass on Bud Light. We, you know what we still need to do? Uh, we talked about it a long time ago. Our blind taste test episode. We're going to do like a bunch of light beers and, oh, yeah. and blindfold ourselves and then... We should do that as a card. live stream. That would be fun. <clears throat> that would yeah. definitely be fun. Let's do that as a live stream. Oh. Tissing at me. Oh my God. It's Hello. angry. So angry. So how about the question of the day? Question of the day. Leading into uh, music. I'd like to know if you have a favorite guitarist, or if you don't, I'd settle for a top three or top five. Ooh, do I have a favorite Ooh, I the guitarist? You and I, I think, have maybe had this conversation once or twice. Oh, I love the way that pours. Yeah. Um, 
I find one of the more underrated guitarists uh, a lot of times to be like Lindsey Buckingham. Um, but favorite guitarist, I love Jack White. I, That's I, a good pick. I love Jack White. I think he's a, a phenomenal awesome. and experimental musician, guitarist, lyricist. He's definitely lyricist. experimental. I, I love Jack. And he's... He's genuinely that odd looking. So it's not like he's putting on like a facade. He's not like Marilyn Manson has, you know, uh, they've got to go ahead and put themselves together to look that way. Like, no, Jack White just is nearly translucent. No, you're Um, absolutely right. Actually, uh, interesting tidbit on him. He only still records on B-sides. Oh, does he? Because apparently they have a much more like rich and authentic sound and tone. Do you want to know another fun fact about Jack White? I would love to. He is a professionally trained upholsterer. Oh, that's interesting. He like learned how to do it when he was like young, I guess before he really made it in music and still like reupholsters Hey, things. whatever. Right? He's got a little a little side hustle. If that doesn't reinforce the idea that kids who are listening and watching, make sure you figure out multiple things you can do in life. Go learn a trade. Go learn a trade. And don't do anything you're good at unless someone pays you for it. Pretty. Reach. Hashtag the Joker. Says says the two folks that do a bi-weekly <laughs> podcast with no sponsors. Faux free. Faux free. Um, that's a good pick, Jack White. That's a good yes, pick. Yes, love Jack you White. You know, him and his sister weren't actually married. Correct. That was like a big just... Uh, and that's not his like sister. Publicity stunt. Right. Right. Yeah, Meg Meg is not his... Uh, Correct. Meg is not his sister. Correct. Uh, yeah, I lo- yeah, I love the two of them, though. All together. I'm thinking about my favorite guitarist now because you know it's hard. I was I'm, g- I'm going to yeah. give you a top five. Top five. I'm going to give you top five. Okay, hit me. Okay. Stevie Ray Vaughan. Mm-hmm. That, I feel like that's that goes without saying. Are these in any particular order? No. Okay. Straight top five. Okay. Um, Steve Vai. Ooh. You know who that is? Of course. Virtuoso of the instrument. Um, I don't know his name, but really underrated. Tom Petty's guitarist. Oh, okay. I don't know his name either, mm. unfortunately. We'll look it up. Yeah. Uh, Richie Sambora. Richie Sambora? Yeah. I got to show you. I think I was Another just telling you one. about a, a video I was watching recently of like an old clip of, of like Triumph, the insult comic dog, went to a Bon Jovi concert oh over here at like the Meadowlands yes. in like the late 90s, early 2000s. Brilliant. Yeah. Oh, it's fucking hilarious. He is so funny. Oh, God. So Richie Sambora. Richie Sambora. And um, so Sinister Gates is the event sevenfold. Guitarist. Oh yeah, you love love them, love them. Yeah, super talented musicians. No, no, no Hendrix thrown in there. You know, I feel like I wanted to, but so much has happened since he's been around. That is true. So if he was still here, he's probably still up there. Okay, because he would still be innovating. You know, I like that. I appreciate that approach. Yeah. yeah, like if he was still, you know, able to create music, hopefully he still would be. On the cutting edge. Oh, definitely. I think so. I like that. I think so. That's very Good thoughtful choices. of you. Good choices. I like that one. Still a little bit of a head on this thing. Yeah, quite. That's, I don't think that's it's going nitro. I was going to say, I don't think it's going anywhere either. It smells delicious. Ooh, I get the cream cheese. I was just going to say, the, I get cream the cream cheese, cheese is icing. in there. Yeah. It almost tastes like, marsh- uh, smells like marshmallow. It does. Cheers. Ooh, yum. Wow. That's good. I don't... Oh, wait. No, I'm getting it. Cinnamon roll. Oh, yes. Everything comes in separately. Yeah. Yeah. But then it all comes together. It's almost like if you you dunked... It's a terrible... It's almost like if you dunked a cinnamon roll in a cup of coffee. Yes. 
Yes, how you're going I'm to it really first, into it. You first get the coffee still, yeah. just considering how soft it is, and then it yep. gives way to yeah, because the maple is very much at the end. You get, I think, a lot of the cinnamon first, cinnamon, and then the cream cheese, and then the maple again just kind of lingers that last couple second, and then it all comes together. Yeah. Wow, great, and I think a really solid analogy in terms of actually like dunking it in. Yep. That's the, what. That's yeah. definitely what, like a saturated donut almost. Wow. It, you know, it also has like notes of um, like a honey bun. You remember yes, honey buns? Of course, there's I like do. honey bun notes in here too. And I think that's what threw me off at first. Yeah. Because again, the maple like, came in too much at the end. Yeah, but the cinnamon, even the so the cinnamon's very upfront, but then it also kind of like coats coasts through the rest of the beer too, like an, as a backbone of that maple and the cinnamon. I think really is stimulates almost on like on the front sides of the tongue, whereas then the cream cheese, at least for me, seems to come over then the center middle palate, and then I'm getting very Definitely. much the and then uh, just like a melange of coffee. Yes, melange of coffee. Melange of just coffee. Nice, just what's what's the ABV? I want. I feel like it's going to be pretty low. Oh, it is six, six. Okay, yeah. all right. This is surprising because I usually wouldn't go out of my way. I think for a beer like this, and even based no. on your description, I was mentally prepping, which is probably a really bad thing. Uh, I was mentally prepping not to like it. Oh, yeah. I don't know. There was something about it. I was afraid that it was going to be too sweet. No, definitely not. And it's not, which which I'm happy about. Despite the fact that there is milk sugar in the hair, correct? There is milk sugar. Yeah. It is a milk stout, yep. Yeah. Oh, and a little bit of vanilla in here too. Yeah, I, I get that. I get it with the cinnamon and it almost kind of like takes over the cream cheese a little. I don't know if I want more cream cheese flavor. So what's interesting, and I was just going to point it out, if anything, is that it's not cream cheese, but it's cream cheese icing. icing. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's that differentiating factor in there Definitely. because the cream cheese icing is usually cream cheese and powdered sugar right so i'm surprised this beer isn't a lot sweeter so am i i like the fact that it's not though yeah me too i, I wasn't gonna be again as big a fan i think and it's from colt's neck yeah source oh, yeah we, we gotta go yeah drink local have... drink fresh drink from the source drink local drink fresh drink from the source somebody get me on the corporate team that is brilliant yeah did you just come up with that yeah you cheeky son of a bitch. I say it all the time whenever we get stuff from Source. I don't know. I, did we just find out that we're not uh, going to have to do this for free anymore? I we're going to have so. to call the people over at Source? Hey, Hello. Drink just, local. Hi. Drink fresh. Drink Source. Hi, you've resourced. And I just want you to scream that into the phone. Drink local. Drink, drink local, fresh. Drink, drink from the Source. I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> can we can, help you with something? Can we help you with something? You heard me. This is pretty good. You can make my check out to all the millions. Of, of pennies. For all the millions of pennies. I'll take the millions of pennies. Yeah, I'm not going to say no to that. Heck no. Mm -mm. Hey, I, I'm going to give this a pretty good uh, grade. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm going to be too high like uh, our last beer. Yeah. I'm not as high as our last beer. But I, I would like more cinnamon bun flavor overall. The lack of cinnamon comparatively speaking is what it is i think it is missing a little bit for me i Something. like but i think that's also the difference do you and this is almost rhetorical but like uh do you like your cinnamon bun for the icing or do you like your cinnamon bun for the cinnamon typically for the icing and oh and you see i'm the opposite i like it more for the cinnamon for, the, for just the for, the, cinnamon for the gooiness of it okay. yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so i will agree with you though i i, I would want Again, just for me, a little bit more cinnamon. Yeah. I'm going to say 
09. You know, it's kind of funny as that I was going to go like a, a four, four, one. Yeah. So yeah, right around there. Right on. It delivers on the name, delivers what it says it's going to nothing more, nothing less or a, a little something more. I think it, a it, little bit. it goes a little bit above, I think, what one might expect. There's a little bit of a complexity. Yeah, it, it's nuanced. It's nuanced. It could go much worse. Oh, 100%. And that's what I was, again, mentally prepping I for. I actually thought, without looking at the ABV, that it was higher. I feel like this drinks like it, it's a little more boozy than it actually is. I think that's because of the nitrous or the could nitrogen yep. that's, uh, that's in there or the nitro, you know. It's definitely tasty. Yeah, I like it. I like it. It's a good, again, a good... Solid beer, delivering on what it says that it's going to. I would go back for another one. Yeah, I would one, have a, I would Only have one more. Only one more for me. I could see myself like at a restaurant, just ordered molten chocolate lava cake. Ooh, ooh, even and like then, a dessert beer too. Yeah, get myself one of these. You see, and I thought that this would actually be a nice base for like a beer cocktail. Like if you were to put like oh, a little yeah. actually like... I don't know, Tia Maria in here. Something like maybe that. A little yeah. Frangelico yep. and go ahead and have, you would have an entire breakfast. Because then. it kind of mimics Guinness and I've seen things mixed with Guinness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's got a, it's a little bit more viscous, I think, than. Yeah. Than, it, uh, it's the nitro. Yes. Even look at like the. It's still, I still have it. Look at the head. It, yeah, yeah. Look at the head. It's, it's like kind there. of, it's, it's, it's almost like a disc. Mm-hmm. It's kind of strange. Thumbs up. Would you care to take us into uh, Billy Joel? Sure. So we, this is strictly 80s strictly Joel. Strictly 80s Joel. January 1st, 1980 through December 31st, 1989. <laughs> That's if anybody it. says anything. Let me actually go ahead and actually check what I've got written down first. Not one second more that. or one second less. <sighs> okay. Well, I'm not going to stick to that entire, entirely. Actually, no. I will. So I will start things off then. Um, so the first album of Billy Joel's that was released in the 1980s was uh, Glass Houses. Yes. Released in March of 1980. And Fantastic again, album. Wrote this down. It is my favorite Billy Joel album. Makes sense. Of all time. Absolutely love it. What I hadn't known is that it did feature his first number one song. Which was? It's always, uh, it's still rock and roll to me. Great song. Great song. Uh, it spent 11 weeks in the top 10, and it was considered to be the seventh biggest hit of the year, oh, wow. according to American Top 40. So, trivia question. Let's I'm ready. See. What then was the number one song in 1980? You know the you know the artist, you know the band, and you definitely know the song. Do I get a genre? <laughs> oh, God. I'm so sorry. I just... <laughs> Hurt so bad. Yeah, I'm like choking on my own you, spit. A, you asked for a, for a, a genre and it killed me. <laughs> um. So, hmm. uh, softer music or harder music than Billy Joel? Harder music, harder music. They. This is a group that uh, very easily falls into punk, a little bit of new wave at times. In fact, one of their biggest hits is actually falls into disco at times. And what year was it? This is the this is in 1980. I'm going to get this wrong. Um the lead singer of this band happens to live in Middletown, New Jersey. Oh. Okay. What song? Mm. You give love a bad name. Oh no, it's no. not. No, I'm sorry. Not not Mr. Billy Joel again. No, Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi. Ooh. Oh, sorry. I know. Oh, oh God. Wow, it's not Bon Jovi? It's not. It's another B. 
lives in Middletown. Bert Kreischer. I have no idea. We were looking for Blondie. Blondie. Oh, I would have never guessed that. Yeah, with uh, what call, song? Call me. Okay, call me. Great, uh, fantastic song. Fantastic song, and I love Blondie. Got to see her perform a couple years ago. Uh, very impressive. Um, so the song, though, uh, it's still rock and roll to me. Dove in just a little bit on this. Uh, it's basically like a giant middle finger to critics uh, who had always referred to his music as either being adult contemporary or middle of the road pop. Damn. Yeah. So he felt that um, actually like all new music was essentially the same as older music in that they were fitting these really specific kind of like guidelines that were kind of indicative of like music from the fifties and sixties. So he had commented in Rolling Stone saying that new wave songs, it seems uh, can only be about two and a half minutes long. Only a certain number of instruments can be played on the record. Usually a very, uh, a very few, only a certain amount of production is allowed or can be heard. The sound has be, has to be limited to what you can hear in a garage a return to that sound is all that's going on now. So basically he's saying... This is what Billy Joel said. Correct. In an interview with uh, with Rolling Stone magazine. So he was, you know, it's still rock and roll to me. He was like, no, it's, it's the same old the same old thing, just repackaged. In the song, perhaps, you know, he mentions the Miracle Mile. Yeah. Refers to a specific stretch of road in Manhasset on Long Island. Oh. Yeah. And I said, I didn't know that either. Weird Al... Yankovic? Yankovic, that weird ass. My guy. He had written a parody of <sighs> It's Still Rock and Roll to Me that was actually never released. Oh, really? So he wrote it in 1980, and it's called It's Still Billy Joel to Me. Oh, my God, um, yes. But even by 1983, it wasn't released, and he had said that at the time in 1983. He said he felt that the song was dated even then. And he commented, said, also, we figured that Billy wasn't very likely to give us his blessing on that one anyway, so we never even bothered asking. <laughs> I love him. So from the um, Glass Houses, which also features, you know, songs like um, Layla, uh, um, Lena, Layla. all for Layla. Lena. Um, and it earned him the Grammy for uh, Best Male Vocal Performance, Rock Male Vocal Performance. And the album features Joel like he's, Pitched up. Have you ever seen the album cover? Uh, maybe. He's he's like pitched up to like throw like a rock, essentially like at a house. So the house turns out to be his house actually out in Cove Neck, out in Long Island. Mm -hmm. And then on the reverse of the um, the album, it's him looking back through the shattered glass. Oh, and it cool. is supposed to very much kind of uh, hearken to that idea of um, – you know, implying that, you know, people in glass houses shouldn't, throw, shouldn't stones. throw stones. So, yeah, just a quick little quick little thing there. Love that. Love that song. I'm going to bring Love us over album. to my favorite 80s Billy Joel song then. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know if you're going to, if you would ever guess it. Did you mention it before? I did. Is it Uptown Girl? It is. I'm so surprised at that. I love that song so much. Really? Yeah. Even more than It's Still Rock and Roll to Me. And, and that's one of my favorite Billy Joel songs of oh, all time. the great call and respond. That's what it is. So this debuted in 1983. Mm -hmm. Song topped the charts in five countries, including a number one stint on the UK singles chart. Oh. Lyrically, this song is about an uptown girl. So this, this adjective insinuates that she's from a sort of like well-to-do background i believe it's a white bread world yes a white bread world exactly and he refers to himself as a downtown man mm -hmm. 
So in the song, uh, and that just really means he's like relatively humble, kind of like the exact opposite of the Uptown Girl. Right. So in the song, um, the premise of this song is that they, she wants a downtown man Mm -hmm. because she's sick and tired of all the Uptown guys she's been dating, Uptown dudes. She's never had a backstreet guy. That's why. Right. Right. That's what everyone wants. Just a backstreet guy. So she wants to date this downtown man. So supposedly the reason the reasoning behind this is that she's tired of the men she typically dates. Mm. It's fine. Whatever. Every girl's tired of the men she typically dates. That's just how it is. I preach. I know all the girls that I've dated have always been tired of me after a while. <laughs> so it's weirdly not really a love song. It's more like a song centered around the fact that like these two people are meant to be together or like should be together. Um, so now we have the backbone. Okay. All right. So supposedly this song is about a particular lady. Mm -hmm. So around that time that he wrote this song, Billy Joel simultaneously and unexpectedly met Elle McPherson, Christy Brinkley, and Whitney Houston all at the same time. Oh. So I know it it sounds weird, like Whitney Houston, right? Yeah. It doesn't belong with those. Not necessarily. At the time, she was a model. Oh. Whitney was. So that explains it, because the the other two are models. Oh, wow. You know what? In 1983, I guess this was just before she had kind of I guess she took off, yeah onto the scene wow mm-hmm. oh my god if you forget about these these periods of time like you know where were they or what were they before they were famous i mean that they still kind of were in this exactly. context but you know not in the way she that was still we... an up-and-coming model but right. she was not a hit singer whoa you know like grammy nominated singer like no, we know yeah. right so they were all models so they all met at the same time so there's been a, a lot of skepticism on who out of those three women this song is about so it goes on to explain that, and this is all from songmeaningsandfacts.com. Oh, okay. So we have we have a source. We've got a source. The, the song was originally written about all three women. Oh, really? It turns out. With, three, with the three women in mind. Then he began to date Elle McPherson. Oh. So then he changed the lyrics, intentionally modified them to like suit her. Mm-hmm. They weren't together that long. It was only about a year or so. That they their fling lasted. However, quickly after that, Joel found himself with Christy Brinkley. Yeah. So they got married. And at the time of recording, perhaps, this song was about her. Because she was even in the music video. Oh, yes. Yes. We're gonna we'll go on a little bit to to talk about Christy, uh, if anything. But that timeline does match up, at least according to, to some Perfect. My, my notes. So she was in the music video and they got married. Yeah. Their relationship lasted uh, roughly nine years. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that just goes to show that Billy Joel is a G. Oh, my God. Yeah. And Absolute G. From what I understand, they're still very good friends. Like, they've made, remained oh, yeah? quite close. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, interesting. They've remained quite close over the years then. You would think that they blow up in, like, most celebrity couples. Yeah. Well, you know what it sounds like, if anything, is that, like, based on when they had met um you know what screw it why not we'll, we'll just get into it then at, at this point if that's uh if that's where we're at absolutely so i actually titled this ow son of a bitch um i titled this uh section of mine again uh 1985 a damn good year to marry christy brinkley um so they had met actually in or they were married in march of 1985 and again they did they met in saint bart's in 1983 oh, that's so that totally yep, like that's where it, that's lines where it up mm-hmm so they were married on a yacht on the Hudson River uh, during a oh. ceremony that had been attended by the likes of you know, Paul Simon and all the members of the Stray Cats. Oh, 
right? That same year, and within exactly nine months, I counted just to make sure, um, they did. They had one child together. They had uh, Alexa Ray Joel, and she was born in December of 1985. All right. Brinkley. Now, I wanted to, just so we are familiar with, uh, again, at least who she is. Um, so this is where we, we're talking about a year other than the 80s, but it's okay because it doesn't have to do with Joel. So okay. loophole, bitches. Strictly 80s Joel, uh, strictly, but this ain't Joel. Yep, this is, this is not strictly 80s Brinkley. Um, so she gained her fame as a model after being discovered, and again, you really can't make this shit up, in a post office in Paris in 1983. All right. And she was not there to model. Like, she had gone to... <laughs> she went there to, like... She went to school for like art and she was like just kind of studying abroad in Paris and ended up a model, ended up a model. She subsequently made a number of appearances on the cover of Glamour and then was given a 25 year contract with CoverGirl, like as wow. the, which is one of the longest uh, like contracts ever given in history. Um, she appeared then on the cover of Swimsuit Illustrated or Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Issue three consecutive years in a row, which was also the first time that had ever happened in 79, 80 and 81. Now I didn't know this. Are you, do you you're familiar with the film, um, national lampoons vacation. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen it, but I know the cast and the premise. So there's a very famous, you know, scene where they're, they're driving down the highway and all of a sudden in the rearview mirror, Clark sees, fire engine red Ferrari driving up behind him and the car goes to overtake him. And all of a sudden they're kind of like neck and neck with one another. And there's this beautiful, gorgeous smoke show of a blonde that's like flirting with them from the car. And all of a sudden he like speeds up to stay with her. And it's oh, I think whole... I've seen like replays of this scene or that remakes. was Christy Brinkley. Uh... And I had no idea whatsoever. I was fascinated didn't, by that. Didn't have any lines, huh? She didn't need to, baby. And I know everyone's like, oh, don't talk about that. She's more than just her looks. And she is. But then again, I also ain't buying what she's selling necessarily. So everybody, take a take a, take a a chill take pill. Take a chill pill. The two, like I said, or like you had mentioned, they did divorce in 1994. However, they did remain quite close. And perhaps that is due to, again, their daughter, Alexa Ray. So um, her middle name is actually Ray in homage to Ray Charles, oh. who uh, Joel like okay. claims as an inspiration. They worked together quite a bit. That's cool. There are also three different songs that were written with her in mind, um, two of which are from the 80s. So those are the ones that will count. See, back to Strictly 80s Joel. One of them is the Down Easter Alexa. No? Oh, no. I love that. I'm... Oh yeah, the Down Easter Alexa. No, oh, so it's never a heard that song. it's a boat. It's actually named after a boat that he named uh, after her as well. But the song is not about her necessarily. In fact, it talks about the struggles of Long Island fishermen. Oh, um, then definitely not. No. And then there's another song, uh, Leningrad, um, that I I am not familiar with actually. But he had written that song after the two of them were on a tour of the Soviet union and they had managed to like make friends. And by two of them, meaning like, you know, uh, Alexa 
I kind of like made friends with this like Soviet clown oh. like or street performer who like they really seemed to connect with or she like really laughed at and liked. And he used that then as the inspiration for Leningrad. I mean, whatever. Whatever gets the job done. Hey, listen, you know, Strictly 80s Joel got to do what Strictly 80s Joel's got to do. So Strictly 80s Joel. So you you don't know where that comes from. I d- your your suggestion of of the topic, but you don't know the origin. I just really like Billy Joel. That's I love that's Billy fine. Joel. So where did you hear that? Everywhere okay. from everyone. Very quotable. Yeah. Okay. So it's actually from Step Brothers. Okay. You remember Step Brothers? Yes. You I, never saw uh, parts. That's okay. Yeah. It came out in 2008. Believe it or not. Holy shit. I, I can't believe it was even that long ago. It's, oh, it's ridiculous. God. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so we're talking um, some time ago. Wow. So it was directed by Adam McKay, produced by Kimmy Miller and Judd Apatow, mm-hmm. and it was written by Will Farrell and McKay from a story by Will Farrell, Adam McKay, and John C. Riley. Oh, okay. The two co-stars. So the film follows the chronicles and the follies of Brennan and Dale, Will Ferrell and John C. Riley, respectively, who are two grown men with incredibly immature tendencies, forced to live together when their single parents marry. So they still live with their respective parents. Their parents get married and they're forced to live together. Yeah. They're, they're children in grown men's bodies in, in the movie. Right, 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 right. They're, right. they're incredibly mature. They just like make silly jokes all the time. They're very childish and like, um, like whiny. Yeah. When they don't get their way. Okay. There are people out there listening right now that are going, why aren't you quoting it back and forth? And it's because, again, I don't know anything. And that's okay. You know, don't play my drum set. Something that's, along those lines. I don't touch my drum set. See, that's that's all I got. So this was released by Sony Pictures two years after Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. <laughs> okay. Which which is, is one, one of my favorite movies of all that time. That movie does make me laugh significantly, it, significantly more. So it's the same cast. Same right. cast, same writing team. Right. So this film is iconic. We got to get you to see it one day. Um, but it really is either you love it or you hate it. And that is reflected in the movie's scores on Rotten Tomatoes. They averaged uh, 5.6 out of 10. Oh, okay. So not that great. And as well as some on something called Metacritic. Oh, yeah. That's like a, a an amalgamation of like all of the different scores, like, right? critic scores. Yeah. Okay. So they got a 51 out of 100 there. Okay. And that indicates that it was either mixed or average reviews. Yeah. That would that would that would track. So on the movie's critical consensus, in fact, it reads Step Brothers indulges in a cheerfully relentless immaturity that will quickly turn off viewers unamused by Farrell and Riley and delight those who find their antics hilarious. Wow. What a what a what a middle of the road right? like statement. Love it or hate it. Just yeah, straddling that middle. That's it. Either you're gonna laugh or you're gonna leave. All right. So there are many scenes that I could quote right now. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and that most of you will get the reference. So sorry. It's really okay. But one of my favorites and perhaps the most synonymous is the boats and hose scene. Okay. Strap in, buddy. Drink local. Drink <laughs> fresh. Drink straight from the source. <laughs> so hear me out. Roughly halfway through the film, Dale and Brennan, Farrell and Riley, They start up an entertainment company, and it's called Prestige Worldwide. Okay. So during their brother Derek's birthday party, and you know Derek too. I can't think of his name, but he's in a lot of of TV. So they present their first music video 
called Boats and Hose to Robert, Dale's father. Yeah. Okay. Well, I gotta show you the I gotta show you the video after this. This video, mind you, was shot on Robert's yacht. So Will Ferrell's dad in the movie, his yacht. Right. And in the movie, his dad, Robert, talks all the time about I can't wait to retire. I can't wait to sail the world. Yeah. Can't wait to see the world with my wife. Okay. So in the culmination of this video, it totally backfires when the boat is crashed and wrecked as no one who was on it was steering because whoever was supposed to steer was filming the video. Oh. And this <laughs> this absolutely shatters Robert's sailing dreams. Yeah. Right? And um, as most of the film, he goes on to say that, you know, like I said, he all he wanted to do was sail. This scene, this boats and hose video yeah. is a turning point because it kind of like leads to the, cl- the climax of this plot where the parents get divorced and it, you know, oh. it, it's kind of like the spiraling. Is there not a happy ending to this movie? No, there is. Oh, okay. There is. I was going to say, I but this is definitely like the, what do you want to call it? The descending action of the plot. Uh, the, yeah. That would, you would say fancy word it's for a, it. You would say it's the climax the, and then yeah. Yeah. Going into okay. the falling action. So, so good. So, the, uh, finally, they reunite at the Catalina wine mixer. Yes. Okay. 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 So, <laughs> Boats and Hose was indirectly essential to this plot. Yeah. Because it, it really did. You know, it's kind of like um, when I talked about the briefcase in Pulp Fiction. It's kind of like a plot device. You know, it, we could have done without the Boats and Hose video, but because of it, that's how the rest of the story came okay. out, right? So, surprisingly, this song is also attributed to the movie's popularity. Um, when I checked, it was at 5.5 million views on YouTube. Oh, wow. The song alone. Just the song, just not the, the scene. Uh, yeah, correct, because they took the boat crash out of it and just end the song on YouTube. Oh. So it's an actual like two and a half minute. Oh, me- proper full, like full, full length. music video. Yeah, exactly. There's also merchandise which references the song. Yeah. That's being sold. So like this movie got huge for no reason. And mostly because, maybe not mostly, but because of this. Um, interestingly enough, there was a political action committee oh. created in 2014 by this dude named Sean Nowacki named the Boats and Hose PAC. Yes. It was the regist- Boats and Hose Pack? Oh, yep. It was yes. registered with the Texas Ethics Commission, and they worked with multiple Texas governors. Bless you. Excuse me. Thank you. Uh, and although it seems like this was mostly a farce. Yeah. Because the reason for the pack was never announced. And then someone goes on to like attack them, oh, because of this, oh, and I, they, eventually they like got shut down. Oh, that's too bad. I would have supported the boats and hose. The boats and hose, pack. even if I didn't get the reference, I'd be like, <laughs> boats and hose got to make money too. I support them. I'm with it. And then just my last little tidbit: uh, the Catalina wine mixer mentioned mm. in the film, yeah, was not a real event. It had previously never been until this film happened, and now there is one. It's since been created and hosted on Catalina Island. Really. Mm-hmm. See, that one I always thought did exist. Yeah, it sounds like it. It does. And I would have believed now it that. Does, though. Huh. I just learned more about Step Brothers than probably I've watched of Step Brothers. You're welcome. Thank you so much for that. That's what I'm here for. I feel cultured. You are cultured. I feel so learned. Now open up and let me culture you. There we go. Oh, God. Moving seamlessly from Step Brothers, uh, I'd like to take to you stepsisters? to Step Sisters. Uh, this is a cheeky episode. Um, no, seamlessly to the Soviet Union. I'd like to take it back 
to uh, the former communist bloc, if I may. Okay, I see where that seam was stitched. Absolutely. Dude, right right in there. Catalina Wine Mixer, so Berlin Wall, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, all of these things, you know, fit together very seamlessly, right? You say John C. Like, Riley, I say Mikhail Gorbachev. Like a jigsaw puzzle. Like a jigsaw puzzle. In Mother Russia, jigsaw puzzles you. That never gets old. Never. Nope. So in, uh, in October of 1986, uh, Joel and his team had planned to do a tour through the Soviet Union, including uh, they were going to do six shows in Moscow, Leningrad, and uh, Tbilisi. So he brought his family with him as well. So like Christy Brinkley went with him as well as Alexa Ray. And it was, it's weird because it was actually to show like a sign of trust. Because again, height of the, you know, I wouldn't say the height of the Cold War, but the Cold War was still going on, you know, big issues in that regard. So it was to show that like he felt that the country was safe, he trusted the people, and in turn he hoped that like people would trust him. So the tour began in uh, July of 1987, and his entourage, like they actively had filmed like where they were going and and the tour itself to go ahead and like off-put some of the charges. Like, you know, how much it actually yeah. costs to do the uh, concert itself. And in fact, his concerts were the first live rock concerts to be broadcast on Soviet radio. Oh, wow. Like, across the entire mm, block, kingdom, realm. In the 80s, wow. Yeah, in the in the late 80s, too. Yeah. Like, it's 87 at this point. Weird. Right? So, what's super interesting, and, and again, I guess I wouldn't have thought this entirely just because, you know... The Beatles had the song, you know, back in the USSR. So you would almost assume that, like, okay, there's been some proliferation of, you know, American rock music, and the Beatles aren't American, but we know what I'm getting at. Western rock music. So Russian fans apparently didn't necessarily know how to, like, react during these concerts. So what would happen is that when the lights would, like, go out, Onto the audience, yeah. These people would freeze up. They would be like, you know, the lights would be out, and they would be like dancing along to Billy. And when the lights would go out, they would all stop and freeze up. What? So security, mind you, had also been like throwing out folks who were uh, appropriate or, or, or quote unquote like overreacting. So like people that were getting a little too hyped up at times so you know kind of reinforcing this idea that they were kind of a like afraid billy joel got pissed that this was happening so what happened was that he became like so enraged that he wound up like flipping over his piano at one point and snapping a microphone stand while he was all while he's singing all while he's singing, I broke because he's a goddamn professional. What? So allegedly he had done so because again he had been working so hard to like make a connection with the audience, mm. and each time again they were like lit, they were freaked out, and he had to like reestablish that trust with them. So like while this was happening, he kept yelling like, "Out! Don't light them! Don't put the lights on them!" Because again these people <laughs> didn't right. know they how to react at all. It, yeah. They weren't ready for it at all. Despite his best efforts, um, the tour did lose, or he apparently lost about a million dollars of his own money uh, on the tour. However, he did say uh, that the goodwill of the trip was like well worth it. 
So again, he he was only, I believe, one of the first like five American artists. Wow, to play over in Russia. It was like him, John Denver, Bonnie Raitt. It like which, I don't even know who that is. Bonnie Raitt, country singer, big orange hair. She's got that that white streak that runs through it. Yeah, You've maybe. totally seen her. You've totally Reba? seen her. This is where Reba butted from. Oh, but she okay. like butted like Bonnie Raitt had like a like a and then like then, a skin tag, like and a then, skin tag, and yeah, that it just turned into that Reba. Turned into Reba. Reba McIntyre. Okay. It's a, re- a real fucking hot take on Reba, uh, which we will not apologize nope. for in the slightest. For what? For what? What are you going to do about it? So, Come get me, Reba. So, yeah, please. Actually. Actually, no. I feel like she would definitely kick your ass. Kick my ass. Oh, yeah. Heard you were talking with those pouty lips. So wait. So Billy Joel flipped a piano and snapped a microphone in half while still performing. While still performing. Yep. Wow. What a, while, he, I said it before. He's a G. He's a G. I mean, you know, sure. A couple, you know, years later, he wound up being drunk and driving his Beetle into, you know, some houses in Newark. But whatever, these things G's, happen. G's make mistakes. He's a G. I love Billy Joel. Yeah. With all my heart. Yeah. You know, as the years have gone on, I've become not that I was never a fan. Yeah. But like, I never. I think younger, I never understood like the, the clamoring over him. You know, like oh yeah, everyone loves Billy Joel, and I'm like, I like his music, but like. I, I I always I always uh, credit Billy Joel with, um, without being too heavy, I guess by any means, like really kind of helped me take that one footstep uh, out of the old closet okay. uh, back in the day. I like hearing that. Oh yeah, because because Billy Joel was a sad sad man when he was in like in his early twenties. I guess he was sad. I guess maybe I don't know sad. enough. Oh, I, if you're listening right now and you're thinking I don't really like Billy Joel, um. I'm going to say it. I welcome you to not listen to any of our later episodes. I'll say it because you have... Billy Joel related or not. I, mm, mm, you know what that is? Poor taste? No taste. No oh, taste. No taste. COVID. COVID. That's still a thing, just like Billy Joel is. Side note, you know how to get your taste back if you ever get COVID and don't have smell or taste? Go char an orange on the stove. No, I'm not kidding. This is This is proven. Scientifically proven. Okay. Go char an orange on the stove in the peel and all. Yeah. And a piece of ginger. Okay. And then scoop the orange out after it's like almost liquid. Yeah. Much. And then like you mix them together and have like a tea. Huh. I might, I might do that just for fun. I like orange and it's ginger probably to probably really with. good for you, honestly. I also like the phrase char an orange. Char orange. What is that? Char orange and ginger. It's a char. Churringe and ginger. Good old churringe and vodka. Oh, oh. Charred orange and vodka? Why not? Charred orange and vodka. I like that a lot. And it's something that you can have multiple ones of and slur it all together and still be able to get the order. Charringe. I have a churringe and vodka. Yeah, on that note, we're going to go try those. I think so. uh, We'll see you guys next time. Goodbye. Later. Beers and is hosted by Alex Chula and me, Nick Messina. Video producer is Mike Delavan. Original music is by Alex Chula. Sound effects have been provided by Zapsplat. And audio editing and producing is from me, Nick Messina. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to Beers and wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Beers and Podcast and on Twitter at Beers and One. That's on Twitter at Beers and the number one. Or shoot us an email at beersandpodcast at gmail.com. 
And of course, Alex and I always want you to enjoy your beer safely and responsibly. Neither Alex nor myself have any affiliations with any of the breweries we sampled in this episode, be them legal affiliations or otherwise. If you have any questions or concerns, please email us at beersandpodcast at gmail.com. That's beers, the word and, podcast at gmail.com.